there are Christians and there's Christ followers. And in this kingdom collaborative and in this kingdom economy, there's going to be guys that are all in. And there's going to be guys that have that they've tried to do it, but they want to separate their faith from their business. Right. Mm -hmm. They say, I understand that's what it says in the Bible, but you have to use common sense when it comes to business, because this could be a bad business decision. I've got a, a good friend. Dude is uh, of the mindset of crawl, walk and run. I'm just not built like that. I don't know how to crawl, walk and run. When God says go, we go. And you just have to step out on faith. And this is the key. You're not big enough to screw up what God has appointed for you. If you make a decision and you and it's based on faith and you step out there, he will fix it. This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And this week, we have a, a friend of mine, Mike Wilson on. Mike, such a, a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you for having us, man. Good to see you. And I was just telling you, Mike, I was at a bit of a loss on how to introduce you. I know you're the chairman, founder of New Alternative Green Energy. You're decorated in the military, been a vice president of sales, CEOs, worked with Fortune 500 companies. So I'm just excited to get into your story today. I know you said you just kicked Bulgaria off the phone so that you could be on this podcast. So man, we're so blessed and privileged to have you on the show today. Why don't you give us a little bit of, of background? Why don't you, you give us some of your story so people can get an idea of who you are? Man, I'll start out by saying I'm probably the most tore up Christian you know. You know, as a kid, I was a military brat. I, and you know what? There was, a, there was a poem that I wrote when I was in prison to these guys, and it, was, uh, it says, Who am I? I was teaching a class called Nurturing Fathers, I believe, and we made everybody write an essay, Who am I? And my Who am I said... Um, I've been where others feared to go. I've done what others feared to do. I've laughed. I've cried. I've tasted a moment sweet love. I have taken lives. I've saved lives. And by the grace of God, I've been saved. And I'm proud of who I was and who I always will be from the jungles of Central America to the one in OPP, which is the old parish prison. I'm a soldier. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a soldier. That's really the bottom line. My oldest daughter's got her doctor's degree in music, and then the, her husband's got his master's degree in music, and they lean a little to the left. And I joke that one day people like them are going to need people like me. <laughs> so, look, as a military brat, it was, it was 17 schools in 12 years, right? So I learned how to read a room real early, and then I was always scrapping, man, wherever we were. And I didn't deal with things like normal people. Um, I was a military brat, so... Anybody that's out there that's a military brat understands 
racism isn't a thing. It's just not, man. Everybody in the, and when my dad was Air Force, everybody was blue. And then when I enlisted in the Army, everybody was green. And so you just never, I never learned to underestimate somebody because of the color of their skin or because of their background or where they were from. You know, when I was in the Army, we spent, my first tour was in Korea. That was my second language. And then I came back to Fort Lewis and we went to Central America and we spent some time down there. Um, and it was pretty crazy times back then. You know, it's a lot of stuff wasn't even declassified till like 2012. So the, once I got out of the military, I went into business. I started building trade show exhibits for museums and trade shows, right? And we had the first business for about eight years and it was a pure startup. We were living off of just uh, 5% of what we sold. Mike, can I jump in there? I'm so curious as to coming out of the military, I think a lot of people would just kind of start, you know, they get a job, right? So you're saying that you jumped straight into a startup, you were building things, you were creating things. Where did that come from, that desire to jump straight into entrepreneurship? So I learned early on that you could make money in the military having a side hustle, right? Because we didn't get paid much back then. So I was always entrepreneurial. I mean, even in the seventh grade in Hawaii, I figured out that I could mow, I could, in the base housing, when you leave, you have to pass a base inspection, right? And so I would go over there and trim their bushes, mow the lawn, edge it, get rid of grease stains on the carport and that kind of stuff. And I could make, you know, in 1976, I was making 25, 30 bucks a yard in Hawaii. I, I knew that if I just went out and applied myself that I could make some money, right? And so I always had money, but it was always my money. Unfortunately, in high school, I was, uh, you guys ever watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I just look like this now. I had the long hair, the skateboard, <laughs> big bag of weed everywhere I went. And, and I learned that I could sell that, right? And I did that through high school. I'm, I'm not glorifying that, but I mean, that's how I was. Yeah. And I've always been entrepreneurial, you know? And when we started the coming out, when I came to Texas from Fort Lewis, this is 87. This is right after the big oil crisis. And everything was for sale. I remember my dad telling me, my dad had stage four cancer from Agent Orange. And so I came back here to help him. And I remember him telling me not to worry about it. Don't come back here. There are no jobs. I asked him if he knew somebody that had a job. And he said, yes. And I said, well, I'll take that one. So I came to, I drove my motorcycle down from Fort Lewis. I came down here and I started working and there was no jobs. I mean, and I, I went to the unemployment office one time and I saw the line and I was like, man, I'm not doing this. And so I just left. I felt like it was, uh, not that it was beneath me, but when I understood that I was going to have to fill this piece of paper out and I was going to have to go look for a job and they were going to supplement it until I found one, I was like, well, hell, I'm going to find one in the first week anyway. So it's just wasting my time with sure. this paper and wasting their time. And maybe somebody else doesn't have the same skills. So maybe they can't get a job and they, they need that supplement. So I didn't take it. And again, it's not putting anybody down. I'm just saying that I would rather give them that opportunity and let me just go do what I can do. I'll make something up. Ultimately ended up being a display concepts. We did that for about eight years. And then my partner and I split up and I went to build a bigger company. So we went from 10, I went from a 10 person company to a 140 some odd company. We went from $2 million a year to a million and a half a month. That was pure grit, man. I mean, I've heard stories. Mr. Pena is one of those billionaires that has this story out there where he talks about Bill Gates sleeping on the couch and, all these guys, uh, Elon Musk sleeping on a couch and the people have to do things. And I did that at Display Concepts and I did that as exhibit creators. And then I did it again and again, even to new age when we stopped doing Sophia Design Group. I put all my stuff in storage, 
got rid of the house, downscaled everything so that we could put all of our energy into this thing. And that's why in three years, we've got a fairly healthy valuation is that you, you have to shut it down and you have to block out all the noise. Right. And mm. what I found out, I was talking to my daughter about this and just so everybody knows we started a program called the Philemon project where you're hiring veterans and felons, right? One, because I'm one of both. When the markets crashed in 2008, 2009, I had a company where we're building theaters for people's homes and I got crossways with a billionaire and, uh, just a bad idea, man. I let my military mouth get the best of me and, and ultimately ended up making an enemy I shouldn't have or somebody I shouldn't have. And, um, and it cost me ultimately things got heated and I ended up catching, you know, a 10 year sentence, right. For a first offense theft charge. And it, hmm. to be honest with you, man, I was drinking so much and I was doing so. I mean, I just wasn't living right. And I believe that God got a hold of me by the neck and he had to give me that in order for me to take it serious. If I had just got a slap on the wrist or a civil suit or whatever, I would have never changed. I had to hear it from people that had nothing to lose. Otherwise, I wasn't going to hear it. I heard my pastor friends talking to me, and I felt convicted when I heard the message. But I had just I just considered that I had done so many things bad that you can't tell me. It's okay for you because you've never done anything, but you can't tell me that Jesus is going to forgive me because you don't know what I've done, and you have no idea. So hmm. when I get to a place where these people have done way worse, well, not way worse, they've done worse. And I started hearing these guys and I'll say this, man, you know, there was, a, it took a, I don't want anybody to have to go through what I went through, but at a point, I mean, I told God straight up, I didn't deserve this. I didn't, my family didn't deserve it. And I was going to kill somebody and their blood was going to be on his hands. Hmm. I was a really angry guy. And he, and he literally stepped into that jail cell and gave me what I refer to as a holy hug. And Man, over the next court, the course of the next five years, literally a couple of thousand guys learned how to read and write. They saw what a man of integrity looks like. They, a lot of dudes had never seen that before. God didn't just touch me that night. He continued to just continue to elevate me into one of the worst places in the world where I was praying, not just for people, but I was praying with some of the worst guys, worst defenders and their families and some of the worst officers and their families. Mm. Right. And, Really, I think God put me in that microcosm so that I could see that his word was true. And it's if and then all through the Bible, right? That if you do this, then this, if this and this. And I watch people being healed of catastrophic illness I've seen. And I studied that Bible, man. I got, let me see that, Alicia. Like this is my, the Bible that I had there, right? I wore the cover off of this thing and I had to put some folders on it. This is my, my Dake's Bible and four or five hours a day. I was in this mm. book for five years, right? I taught the experiencing guide classes and the nurturing father classes to give these guys an idea. And I always felt like it was an assignment. It wasn't a punishment. This wasn't something that was, it was, no, I wasn't going to avoid it. God wanted somebody that could go in there and understand what was going on. He knew how, it's just like with, and I'm not going to compare myself to Job, but I'm saying he knew how strong Job was. He also knew that Job's wife was crazy, that she was going to talk crazy. He knew that. He knew his kids were safe. So with me, I just made a promise. If you'll take care of my family during this time, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And ultimately, I come out with the knowledge of the word. That I didn't have nearly that much time in a civil engineering degree. I didn't have that much time in business, not understanding and really understanding it until I fell. And when I did, I came back out and, man, he's blessed me over and over and over again. And I, I don't take credit for anything. I, I certainly, I say it like this. 
everybody that we have on our team and everybody that we associate with, you guys, Riley, all of us have been through so many things that make us uniquely qualified to be on this podcast even to reach out to somebody and say, look, sometimes when things are not going your way, it doesn't mean it's punitive. It's preparation, right? Mm. So my time growing up, I remember I was, been, I was in my office once, probably about four or five years ago, and I remember the Spirit of God falling in that office. And the, the message was, isn't this cool? So, and I was a little freaked out because if the Spirit of God has ever fallen in your office, you can't help but start crying anyway. And I was like, yeah, it's really cool, but you're freaking me out. What's cool? What are we talking about here? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's really freaking me out. And he was, isn't it cool, all of it? The 17 schools in 12 years, the time that you spent in the military traveling around, the time you spent in prison to where you are right now, and you're hiring veterans and felons, and you've only lost, at that point, I had lost two people out of 80. We had less than a 5% recidivism rate. These guys came back. They got an opportunity, not a handout, but they got a hand up, and they were treated like men, right? You have to be a man of God, and you have to be a man of your word, and it's not about, you don't have to worry about me. I'm just telling you, because if you cross up over here, this is God's place. And if you're not doing the right thing, he's going to move you out of the way. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years and here we are, you know, with the King's Council and all this, uh, the Kingdom Collaborative that we pulled together with a bunch of really godly people. Man, it's, if you don't walk around weepy about half the time, you're probably not doing it right, right? You're (laughs) leaning to your own understanding and your own strength. And that's a bad way to do business. Yeah. So am I right in understanding, were you not born again prior to going into prison? That's interesting. When I, in fourth grade, they showed some films. When they did, they scared the hell out of me. And I went down there and I prayed what they prayed and I said what they said, right? The sinner's prayer. Mm. Yep. And then I lived like hell for 45 years. So was I saved? Mm. Um, I think people say, look, you, Jesus said, you can tell by the fruit that they bear. I had good fruit, I suppose. I mean, there was money and there were, you know, I could joke about sending thousands of strippers through college $1 at a time. But the reality was I was being destructive. You know, when I was reading my Bible, right, that first year, I read all the way through the first time. And I really, I aspired to be like um, David. And then I identified with Joseph, right? Obviously that somebody had been locked up for something that they didn't do. And I was, and then I realized that I was guilty of so much more than a theft charge that probably 10 years wasn't enough. And so I felt grateful for the time. And then I met some really cool people through all of that. But the, I got to the part about Legion and I've got a belt that the guys made me um, in the leather shop over there that says Legion two, right? Like I was the very picture of Legion. I had the beard down to here. My hair was past my shoulders. I carried a knife everywhere I went. I was horrible. I was absolutely horrible. I was the most angry individual you've ever seen in your life. And hmm. fast forward, the guys that were there, they respected me as a man of war because I would go, I would mix it up with anybody. I didn't care how big you were. I didn't care. I didn't care. And I don't think I had a death wish, but I didn't care because it's always a good day to die, right? That's where I was. That's where my head was. And then when God got a hold of me that night, he had me go to Isaiah 58. If you go look at that, he'll talk about a new kind of fast. And he gave me a glimpse into my future about being a repairer of the breach of generations and whatnot. I think that that's, you know, when you when you sit down and you really look at it, God has a purpose for all of these things. And again, I don't know that the prison part was punitive. I think it was preparation because now we're doing business. We're about to be doing business in Mexico, right? So I've had experiences with the Sinaloa cartel. 
face to face. And what's funny, it's not what you would think. They invited me down to give them a word because they hadn't called them for mm. church in a while. And so mm. for 140 some odd days while I was transitioning out, I was having these teaching moments and preaching moments with some really, you know, these <laughs> crazy characters from the Sinaloa cartel. And I learned a lot from those guys about where their mind was. And really what it boils down to, Caleb, and all of this stuff, when we come out here as new age and we go into a community, nine times out of 10, they've lost their jobs because we're taking a coal economy and we're trying to revive that. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their cars. They've lost their homes, alcohol, drug abuse, domestic violence, all those things. And that's the same thing that happens around military installations, right? Guys that are coming back from combat, it's the same thing. Guys that are coming back from penitentiary, it's the same thing. And giving somebody a hope and pointing them in the right direction that it's going to be tough sometimes, but it's only for a little bit, man. You know, if you'll just stick it out for a little, you've gone through all of that. This is nothing. You can get to the top of the ladder quick, especially with me. Yeah. So obviously there's so many different directions that we could go, but just focusing on business for a second, one of the things I heard you say in there, and this would be consistent with, maybe you've heard that story with, I think it's Bill Gates and Warren Buffett that they're both asked, what's the secret to your success and write it down on a piece of paper. So without talking with each other, they both came back and they wrote the word focus down. And so they they just said, you need to focus. And I mean, is that similar to what I'm hearing you say is when you throw yourself into something, you just have to shut everything off and focus? Yeah, man. I mean, even right when I decided to shut down a 40,000 square foot mill shop that we were doing like the Crescent Hotel, all the walnut moldings, building pocket doors, cabinets and beautiful work and shutting that thing down to do this thing with hydrogen. I was basically disowned by my kids, right? They thought I had lost my mind. Mm. And I remember a couple of times where I pulled my Bible open and I'm in good company because it said Jesus family sought to seize him because they thought he had lost his mind. And I was like, right on. He does understand everything. So I'm just going to roll with it. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> and it is focused. I'm, I, I was always late and see in the military, it's always mission first. Mm. It doesn't matter if people are dropping to your left and dropping to your right or in front of you, you have to step over them and you have a mission to accomplish. That is the objective. And with me, I am very driven by the mission. If a customer gives me a job to do, what they will find is they, they might find my dead body having tried to do what I said I was going to do, but I'm still, I was still trying when I dropped, right? And I think that God knows your heart. And he, it's like with Job, man. I always look back at it with, a, with great admiration, man. He, he lost his kids. His wife was talking crazy. His friends were talking crazy. Everything we went through. And then at the end of the day, you look back, he was restored double. But the cool thing is his three friends and his wife all heard the voice of God. Mm. Right. And so right now I am laser focused on this restoration of creation. And I'm laser focused on trying to make sure I hear his voice. And mm. the way you do that is as he brings people into your life, you disciple them. You mm. share the word and you share your experiences and you let them start to figure it out by themselves. And as they do, God will tell you when it's time to intervene and when it's not. But I mean, discipleship is the key. And this lady here behind me, this is Alicia Miller. Alicia, the biggest success I think that we've had short of a, a massive valuation and all the technology and all the stuff that we're doing right now and the contracts that are coming, the fact that watching her and doing some of the things that she's gone through. I had a, a friend of mine, he was like a 40-year preacher, and he was like, 
he was offended because he thought because there were these things happening in my life that maybe he wasn't saved. And I said, I never said that. If you take your 40 years, you had all these prayers answered and whatnot, and you condense it to five years, what does that look like? And he says, well, your life. And I thought that that was really cool. And then I take that five years or the 13 years is how long I've been in this thing now. And I look at what's happened with Alicia and her family and and the way that things are happening with her. It's even more accelerated, which tells me that we're getting close. The mm. end is right for real. And it's he's, mm. he's accelerating things faster and faster. And these businesses are growing faster. And people are coming to us that have, I mean, people that I hold in very high regard. They don't take, not everybody takes the word literally, right? Mm. I take it for what it says. If you want to get me to jump mm. off sides and go back to military Mike or penitentiary Mike, white Mike, if you want to go to one of those guys, tell me that that's what it says, but that's not what it means. Mm. And then you're going to get me to, I might start preaching probably is what will happen is I'll start taking you chapter and verse and go through it. But the, <laughs> well, it is focused, Caleb, but you know, at the end of the day, you've got this, this broken vessel, you're on the potter's wheel and he's, he's got this big mark. He's re, he's reforming you, right? Yeah. You have to let him be in control of everything. I can't control what my kids think. I can explain it to them, but like Kellyanne Conway says, I can't understand it for you. And absolutely focus is necessary and you have to do it. You can't care about you. If mm. you, if you're concentrated on you and what you're going to get, you, you'll get there, but you'll get there slower. If you concentrate mm-hmm. on those around you and you're, and again, you go into that discipleship and you're pushing the, the kingdom, kingdom first, right? Then you start to see some big time acceleration. And so if there is a 25 year old Mike out there, if you're drinking, stop. If you're smoking weed, stop. If you're doing coke, stop. You know, if there's, if you got a kid, spend time with your family. God first, mm-hmm. God and family second and business third. But it has to be God in business. And so, you know, I made a commitment not long ago that my Fridays are the last day of the week, right? Saturdays are my wife's days. If I'm going to do anything on that day that is not with her, I have to get permission. That was a tough one Mm. for me. And then, and she didn't believe it, like, for the first couple of weeks, I had the grace period where I could ease into it. And then Sundays are God's days, right? And that day of rest. I've started to, I've really come to that realization where when I really do that, I rest and I rest in him that I get my time multiplied over and over and over again for the week. So Mm. for those 25 year olds that are out there, man, just know that it's real. The struggle is real, but man, if you'll just listen, I give an example for these guys that if you take an hour, break it into quarters. If you spend an hour praying or 15 minutes praying, spend 15 minutes listening. If you spend 15 minutes in your Bible reading, spend 15 minutes listening. You have to get that quiet time. Go in your quiet place. And what did he tell you when you were praying? Quit telling him how to fix the problems that you created. Mm. Quit telling him how much money you need. He knows how much money you need. Quit telling him all these things that you need to do because he knows what you need. You need to go in there and, and what do you need me to do? And then he shows you that. And as you're doing those things, these other things just come. Dude, we got a $6,285,000,000 letter of engagement on Thanksgiving. Do you understand? I only was expecting this guy to key on one of these projects that I had outlined. He said, we'll do them all. And that's how God shows up and shows out. And it was because I wasn't focused on the money. What I am excited about is as this thing has started to take off, I get to tithe. I get to tithe. I don't have to tithe. I And, you know, have it come in where I've been. 
there was an 18 month period where I was in concrete and no grass, no trees, no nothing in concrete. When you finally got to put your foot in the grass and then when you finally get to go to church, when you finally get to, you know what I mean? You get to do these things. You don't have to go to church. And I'll be honest with you, man. I had a good time in prison. Nobody ever got beat, beat up, raped, stolen, robbed. None of that stuff would happen around me because, and it was, I would like to think that it because I was a tough guy, right? But the truth is, is that the anointing spreads out from you and it affects people's character that are around you. Even bad guys start to act right because they're, they, they weren't scared of me. When they heard what happened when God stepped in that cell that night, there were certainly people that got stabbed. There were people that got tuned up pretty good, right? But after that, they were more afraid because they knew God stepped in there. Those guys will tell you to this day, there's 500 guys, but there's certainly 57 of them that will tell you that, that Jesus Christ stepped in a jail cell one night. And although they could not see him, man, I'm telling you, everybody in that place was in tears for a week. It was a different, it's a praying place now. We were having a discussion the other day about people want to go back 15 years and bring up what I used to do or what I used to be like. And I'm saying, okay, so I've been, it's been 13 years now since I fell, 14 years almost, but 13 years for sure. I've almost been, like I've been married for 30 years. We just had our our 29 year anniversary a couple of weeks ago, February 15th. I've almost been this guy longer than I was the other guy for my wife, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that, if you don't believe the change is real, I don't know how to describe it. I think what I was preaching in prison was if I was a, a bad guy for for 45 years, when you go home, if it takes 45 years for those people to believe that the change is real, you earn that. And so there's a mm-hmm. saying behind bars that says, take your lick. You earned it. Take your lick. And mm-hmm. so even now, as frustrating as that can be, I know that there are still guys that reach out to me when they get out after been down 10, 20 years, they reach out to me on Facebook and they're like, man, look, you know, you said that if we just stayed in the word, if we did these things, abide in him. And there's me and another guy, Edgar Green. And I'm telling you, man, it was a, you know, we've been doing this thing out here. He's done his own business. I've done my own, but these guys, there's people that I don't even know that are hearing the message that we were preaching 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 13 years ago. And you know what I mean? People I don't even know. And, and what he was telling me, Edwin, Edgar came up to see me not long ago. And he said, you know, if you picked up the phone and you made a call, you could have 2,000 guys standing outside your door right now, right? People that are saved, sanctified, set apart, understand that God is real, understand that he's been real in your life and that he is not what he's done to you, but what he's done through you. And, and then they've been able to affect change in their own families and even in that place. And so that's what we want to do is what we learned in that microcosm is now you're out here and you got this massive playing field and it's time to get busy, right? So we get to go out there and tell these youngsters that you're not making any money slinging drugs. I can give you a spreadsheet right now and I can show you how much money you're paying for your product, your cost of goods sold, how much risks there is involved in doing what you're doing, and then what cash you have at the end. And then I can give you a job that'll make you twice that much money and you don't have to risk your life every single day. And you have time to go to church and you have time to spend with your kids at their little league basketball, you know, baseball, basketball games and all that. So there's guys, man, they're coming out every day. They're starting restaurants, salons. They're out there hustling, fence companies, all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I couldn't be prouder of those guys. I've got three guys from the military that I talk to. I've got maybe a half a dozen of the last 30 years of my life. I've got 50 guys 
that are out right now that I hold in very high regard. They did their time like a man. They didn't let the time do them. They weren't playing games. They got out and they have focused on what God had to say and what he continues to say. And so from a business perspective, and I'm going to say this for this kingdom collaborative, there are going to be guys out there. They've got a, we're not in a position to do it just today, but I can tell you that what we're focused on is there's going to be guys that need startup capital for their business, right? Because they're always undercapitalized. And the reality is it's not going to be the same way it used to be. Hard money. Don't go after hard money. You can do it. I've done it and I've paid it back, but don't go after hard money. It's not necessary. There are kingdom guys out here right now that God has put in a position to be able to help you. And you don't want their money. You want their business acumen. You want their experience. You want their wisdom. Those mm. are the things that you're looking for. Everybody wants a quick fix. Man, there is, there's no such thing as quick success. It's just not, you know, you can be lucky. Yeah. So Mike, obviously you were successful in business prior to that encounter with Jesus. And now you're successful in business coming out of that experience, but still very much obviously walking in step with the spirit. What's your motivation for business right now? And why is it so important to have Christians that are successful in the marketplace? We were looking at taking 10% of our, besides the tithe that we do personally, I dedicated or pledged 10% of our company profits to community outreach. From a civil engineering perspective, the bridges and roads in this country are horrible. And everywhere we're going to put a, a processing plant and then the hydrogen fuel that people are going to be running their cars on fuel cells, um, everywhere we do that, we're taking 10% of our revenue. It's going back into the communities. And so that was exciting for me to be able to help people because we went out and got a, a CEO, a CFO, a we got all the EIEIOs. We got all those guys, right? And my job <laughs> was to go back to the, to be in the street, to go find out where the people are hurting and what they need. And then I can pick up the phone and I can call Alicia and April and say, look, the governor of New Mexico has shut down Gallup and the Navajos can't get any water from Walmart because of COVID. Send a truck full of water up here and give it to these people. And that can happen. Right. I want to be the guy on the ground when we're finding out that a high school shop needs a wood lathe or they need a rack in their shop or whatever. And I want to be able to just call somebody in the office and say, look, this is what we're doing. This is where the expense is. I want this directed here. And it's not just going to be me. There's going to be several hundred people that are out doing those types of things while we're running the business. Obviously, you know, at the end of the day, I work for. Um, April Helpenstell. I work for John Wilson and all these guys that are our, our founders and the board of directors. That's who I work for. I'm the chairman of the board, so everybody works for me one day a month or one day a quarter, right? Just choose your words carefully. No, I'm teasing. It's a, you know what I mean? I, I want to be on the ground with this thing. Yeah. And, I, and the drive is to to disciple people, mm. you know? And, and when I see these people that are fighting the, in, the, in the communities and whatnot, about six years ago, my brother was shot and killed. And one of my younger brothers, was five of us, but the one just younger than me, he was shot and killed in Tyler, Texas, by a young African-American kid. I watched this happen over and over and over again at the murder trial, right? I had to tell this guy, I was reading my Bible from the parking lot of the courthouse, that I have to love your enemies. He said, you have to forgive them and you have to love them. And, uh, and I remember going in there and at the end of the trial saying, look, you're not the monster that these guys portrayed you to be. I've, I've been in the seat where you're sitting. And I understand how helpless that feels. The reality is, I was just in my Bible. You've seen me sitting out here every morning when you walk in here. 
And Jesus says, I'm not doing this because I want to. I'm just saying Jesus says I have to. So I have to forgive you. He says I have to love you. So I'm just honestly, I'm going to have to work on that part. He's going to have to help me with that. And long story short, we fast forward probably about a man, a year, maybe 18 months when he finally got to where he was going. And I did reach out to him and I felt like I was betraying my brother, but I knew that the Lord was calling me to reach out to this dude. And uh, we started writing. And I've been discipling him about five years now, man. So this dude's praying with people in prison. Uh, you know, this guy's got a life sentence plus, right? He's praying with people. He's working in the law library. I've given him some good pointers about how to do it and how to keep people there from coming out here and doing what he did and throwing away their lives. If I can do that, if I can do that, then anybody can forgive anybody. And if any of these guys, I'm going to say this. We did this at the last spiritual retreat that we had here, Riley and Christian, and those guys were here. Man, we had a lot of great men of God that came to this thing out here, out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we sat down, and the first thing God wanted to address was that there was some unforgiveness in the room, a lot of it. Mm. And man, the message from on high was, don't worry about being part of the king's council or the kingdom collaborative, because you're not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Your hair, your prayers are not going any higher than the ceiling. And I'm, I don't want to put too much out, but I mean, Christian was the guy that stepped up and said, yeah, man, I've been carrying this thing around a long time. Then I found out later on that there was this release in the spirit realm between him and even his wife that it, that unforgiveness had caught a lot, caused a lot of friction. And it wasn't just him. There was 20 people there or more, and they were they all had a similar experience, right? And so I guess the first thing for those young guys out there, man, if you're toting that around, I don't care what it is. It says, forgive your enemies. And then he, this is Jesus. Those are letters in red. Not Mike said it. He says, forgive them so that your father in heaven will forgive you. So it's, it's a, you don't have a choice as a bottom line. And, you know, I've been the tough guy, right? I've had my fair share of scrapes and I was vindictive, man. When I first landed there, I told somebody, I said, man, look, I don't have to get you today. I don't have to get you next week, next month or next year. I got 10 years, man. I'm going to catch you slipping somewhere along the way. And you don't know if it's going to be day now or day 9,000, or however many days it is, but I'm going to catch you somewhere in the middle of there, and I'm going to wear you out, man, and you'll never see it coming. That's the, was my mentality when I landed. After Jesus got a hold of me, it was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me, right? And I'm going to say this. you know, I had COVID in April, and I got really, really sick to the point of death. I really did, and I thought I was going to die a couple times. I remember writing my journal that I would accept nothing less from this point forward. I would accept nothing less than 100% participation, except 0% participation. And so I was pretty proud of myself because I wrote that down and I was telling Alicia, all right, this is the rule from now on, man. We're not accepting anything less than 100% participation except for 0% participation. Recently, I was riding along in the Jeep. You know, I'm just riding along out there and praying, had the praise and worship music on. I mean, the Lord comes back and he says, oh, by the way, that wasn't for people that you work with. That was for me to you. <laughs> so he doesn't want anything but 100% participation, right? No half-stepping. You don't get to act one way and then do something different. He's not going to use you. He won't use you. That's it. He's not going to do it. When you say 100% participation, are you saying that 100% like you're all in for Jesus? Or are you saying 100% effort in the workplace? Could you clarify that for me? I thought when I heard that and I wrote it down, I thought that it was for it was from me to everybody in my life, my wife, my kids, either you're in or you're out, man. I don't care which one you take, you know, 
Got it. And then I heard from him that that wasn't for them. Stupid. That was for me to you. It's that you got to be all in. And so, mm. and it's difficult, man, because look, you're going to find yourself as a Christian in business that one guy is at odds with another guy and you're going to have to play the mediator. Blessed be the peacekeepers, right? And it's difficult because you'll get this guy a good, clear indication of what needs to happen. And then you're moving along and you're like, man, I did that, right? Lord, I did exactly what you asked me to do. And so they go off and they have a meeting and then they come back and they're like, they did half of it or they did a quarter of it, but they didn't do the whole thing. And I'm like, man, you need to pay attention. God said, right? Once that guy's engaged with you, and it's always multifaceted, it's not just for me to do the right thing by that guy. It's for him to do the right thing by me. And we have to be transparent. So what you're going to see from us over the next couple of years, and everybody's going to be aware of it at some point, is not talking about cryptocurrency, but blockchain and block frame technology, where every transaction that we make is 100%. I mean, everything's coded. So you know where the money is, right? There's nothing hiding. Hmm. It's a hundred percent in, and I, I want, I would expect that from the people that we're hiring and that we're bringing in. But then I realize, man, they're not always there yet. I, it took a long time, and you know, I did that. I had that conversation one time walking down the tier with my Bible, thinking, man, those Hebrews were tore up, man, forty years in the desert, you know. And, and I heard from God that day. It took me forty-five years to get you, and I was like, wait a second, did you really just really? <laughs> Dang, all right. The teaching moment, right? Right. Got it. Yeah, and it's actually funny that you brought that up because that was actually going to be one of my next questions was in terms of your relationship with God, one of the things that I've noticed in different executives, business owners, entrepreneurs, people that I talk to is that there's a measure of faith in Jesus. There's a measure of authentic desire to serve him with their lives. But I think if you asked a lot of these people, are you all in? Like, are you all in on this Jesus thing? Many of them would say, mm, I'm holding something back. Whether I don't want God to talk to me about how to do my marriage, I don't want God to talk to me about how to run my business. But when I talk to you, I get that sense that that you're all in, that, that the whole reason you're doing this is, is for the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you outwork that perfectly, but your desire is, yeah, I'm all in for Jesus. Can you speak to that or, or maybe even speak to somebody that might be listening to this, that they're an executive, they've had a measure of business success, they've had some successes in their life, but they're still not kind of all the way through in terms of, of their life is his alone. Yeah, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is stop. You know, it, <laughs> it, either you're all in or you're not, man. You know, the one thing, I'll, I think that was probably the biggest thing in prison, right, is that you're in a fishbowl. And so mm. you can either fight or you can't. But mm. the, the, the hard part is either you have faith or you don't. Either you're all in or you are not. You know, I mean, I was denied parole at one point, And I remember walking back down the walk and saying, I guess I'll do the whole 10 if that's what you want me to do. I was, you know, I was going back down there and I was going to continue to preach and teach and, and do whatever he asked me to do. And I heard very clearly, I didn't want, I don't want you to do the whole 10. I just wanted you to be willing to. Mm. And there's been times in business where I was like, look, I'll give the whole thing up if that's what you want mm. me to do. And he said, no, nope, I don't want you to give up, give this thing up. I just want you to be willing to. Don't get too attached to things, right? Those are my mm. things anyway. Don't get too attached to it. So when you got somebody and they're saying that they're holding some things back, stop. For what? Mm. What are you going to do with it? Right? At the end of the day, what are you going to do? Uh, mm. I want to hear, 
I don't want to even just hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's not what I'm looking for. I don't want him to say that in the kingdom that you're going to rule over a nation or, or over cities or something. It's not about position and it's not about setting it as right hand, but that's who I am to please, right? And so when I'm thinking about what I was going to say or what I was going to do with you today, I got it from a friend of mine, John Anderson, who spoke at our shareholders meeting. He was telling me, he said he was just praying. He said, I want to say what you want me to say to these people, not what I want to say. He said, but I want, I want to say what's going to make you smile. How can I make your day? Right. And I was going to hold back some of the, the penitentiary thing. Right. And, and then it was like, for what? That's like the best. That's the, that was the best possible outcome. You were an idiot. I lined you out. I gave you like a really cool place to be. You made some major brownie points with me in there. And you've been making brownie points with me out here. And everybody needs to know that, again, it's not about punishment all the time when you're going through tough times. Most all of that makes me uniquely qualified to come out here in the street and tell somebody that you can be in the military and come out and be successful. You can make a mistake and get into an extraordinary set of circumstances. But God is always with you and he's preparing you for what comes next. So when I have to go deal with business in Mexico outside of Monterey, ultimately, we're going to have to deal with the cartels. There's no doubt in my military mind that we're going to, have to do that. But I also know that I've done that. And they're now preaching in prison, right? That mm. These guys actually mm. took the message and they're not. And, and the bottom line was that we're giving them an opportunity now to legitimize a business interest and do it for the kingdom where they can make good money and they can do it the right way. And and. You know, ultimately, there's a guy named Johnny Combs that gave me this thing. He said that you're, um, he said, what do you know about the millennial reign? And I said, you know, everything, right? 10,000 years, Christ is coming back. The new Jerusalem is landing and the millennial reign, right? And he said, he's coming back for a bride without blemish. Mm. He created the earth first, right? And so our job is to fix this thing. In Hebrew, the Hebrew is tikkun olam, which has a little bit more to that. But tikkun olam is what I remember. And he says, Basically, to leave it better than it was when you got there, not just fix it or put it back, but to make it better. And then, you know, you t- the Lord says, you know, he tells you, he says, look, you're going to do greater things than these because the spirit of the Lord is there. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? When you receive the gift of the, you know, the, the promise of the Father. And so we take all those things like for I take it literal. Right. And, you know, it's funny. There's one of my favorite memes on Facebook is when the guy says, do you need to receive the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And the little cartoon, the guy says, brother, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> you know, so you have to get to that point. You know how you have a best friend and somebody says something stupid and you're sitting there and you look at your best friend and they say, they don't say anything. They just look at you and they know what you're thinking. You know what they're thinking. And yeah. you're carrying on a conversation about what just transpired without ever having to say a word. I won't say I didn't make friends. I did make some friends, but mostly associates. I don't get close to people. I found out that the friends that I thought I had before I fell, not necessarily. They liked the money or they liked the the jokes. I had a lot of really good jokes. Had a lot of fun, right? But when it came down to being brass tacks and good friends, they were gone. Zach Williams that sings a song about he looked for his friends and they were nowhere to be found. Something like that. There's a, there's a lyric in there like that. And at one point, I looked around him and I was by myself. And... uh Everybody needs to understand that they're going to be standing in front of the Lord one day. Your family ain't going to be there. 
your boss ain't going to be there. Your husband, your wife's not going to be there. You're going to have to stand there and answer for everything that you did, good or bad. They need to go in there and read that word because they keep talking about Christians are not going to have to stand. But man, look, it says the white throne of judgment. You're going to be there and you're going to answer for everything that you did, good or bad, good or evil. Man, I'm trying to make up some lost ground. I ain't got, I don't have time to mess around right now. I've got to fix as many things as I can. And hopefully it, it's kind of crazy. I feel like I've done a lot of good. But at the same time, I kind of feel like I'm going to slide through the the pearly gates with my butt on fire, you know, like I just barely made it in. And so I'm doing everything that I can to get to get right, you know, and, and try to stay right. Yeah. Well, two things that you said that I think I really want our listeners to pick up on. First, I mean, how great would it be if people approach their life with the question of what will make God smile? Am I building this business in such a way that will make God smile? Am I building my marriage in such a way that will make God smile? I mean, even I think in the church, you know, many people build churches based around, well, what's going to make the congregation happy? What's going to make the elders happy? Versus, is this a church? Is this a ministry that actually makes God happy? I had somebody criticize recently, uh, you know, just a online troll essentially saying, you know, I feel like the way you're worshiping is just a little too extravagant. Like you're too excited in in the place of worship. And I just think, well, that's fine. I'm not worshiping for you. Like the person that I'm here to celebrate in that place of worship is God. Like I want to worship in such a way that it makes God smile. And I think that that's a revelation that if we start from that place of what pleases our Father, that's a really good foundation to bring. The other thing I I heard you talk about was the importance of God's physical creation. And I think this is another thing that, that people get wrong where I hear sometimes young people that are zealous in their desire to serve God, honor God they feel like it's only the spiritual things that matter. There's really no no value to God's creation. So, you know, prayer meetings are very important, but our business meetings maybe aren't as important. Whereas when we go back to Genesis and we look at some of the primary things that God calls humans to do is, is work the land, you know, find the potential, the seed that's within that land, draw out that potential, produce something that is good to our fellow person, And when we talk about redemption, I think that's so important to understand God's original intention in him redeeming not just people, but actually his creation. Like I actually believe that it's not just all going to burn up in the end, that the earth actually matters, that, that these things are important to God. So when people talk about work and what's the value of work, I think it's more than just I think we do a disservice if we tell people it's only the money that we're able to donate to the church through our work. Like, no, I think the actual work itself, the productivity itself honors God. Like even, I absolutely believe giving honors God as well. But what I hear you saying is that, hey, actually making the world, whether it's society or the earth or bringing something good to our fellow man, that in and of itself, work in and of itself honors God. And one of the reasons for that is God himself is a creator. God himself is a worker. We image out his likeness by working. I don't know if you want to speak to that anymore, but those were two of the things I heard you saying that I really wanted our listeners to key in on. You know, I have this, uh, I got a pretty creative mind and I have this image of what the throne room looks like. Um, when I was reading my Bible, I remember going out and trying to draw heaven, the throne room, and he describes it in great detail. And then the tabernacle, and I literally, I can draw in 3D. I've been doing it for a long time. And so 
I have sketches of all of these things that I did while I was there and it's in my mind, right? I was a, a lay pastor, a lay associate minister for a little church in Lancaster for about three years, predominantly African-American. I say predominantly because I was the only white guy there. <laughs> Wonderful family, man. That's my church. That, that's my, my Carolyn Deloach, man, that lady, a spiritual giant, you know, love those people. And there's another lady, Ian Crawford. Ian's got a very colorful background. Um, but when I was preaching, sometimes I would just, I would be led to stop, like right in the middle of a message. And I'm like, Ian, can you do walk around heaven? And so she would stop and she would stand up there and acapella. She does this. I got to get her to record that for us, man. Melissa, that needs to happen sooner or later. We'll send it to Caleb and you can play on the podcast. She does this walk around heaven. And is as important as the message might have been that I was preaching at the time. What was making him smile, like all the stuff that's going on, all the, you got to can imagine all of the millions of variables that God is dealing with all the time, every second of every day. And I just had this vision in my head that like, he just taps me and it's like, get Ian up there. And, and then I say, Ian, and I step aside and God would just do the, shh, shh everybody be quiet. Listen. She's going to sing it again. Check this out. Watch this. And then she sings this song and it's, it's powerful, man. There's scripture that says that like the manifold wisdom of God is being made manifest to the powers and principalities and heavenly places by the church. So like today, this was really important to do this because where people I'm certain in my family and people that I've known in my past thought for sure, people in the church that I was going to burn in hell. I will say, had they told me that I was going to have this much fun being saved and sanctified, <laughs> I pray they could have saved me a lot of trouble, right? And the reality is, bad Mike is talking to good Caleb, right? And he's like, look, 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 look. And then you see these things going out to all over the world to these people that are watching the podcast. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. When this person was praying for him or the seed that you planted 30 or 40 years ago, Miss Fur, my grandmother, the seed that you planted with him 30 years ago just came out in that podcast and just hit, you know, however many people are out there that are listening. And then they're going to repeat that. You understand? And so there's a, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 12 and 1, where it talks about, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us set aside the sin that so easily besets us. But Hebrews 11 is all about the greats that went before us. And I believe that there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, as he's saying, right? And that they see, I can only imagine it like a horror movie, right? Like, no, don't go in that room. You know what I mean? <laughs> One of those types of deals, like, don't, don't do that. But the the reality is, I think that there were some judgments that people made before they got there. And I think that they get to see and they know the truth, right? And I think that when I fell, my grandmother was like, I knew it. He's definitely going to hell now, right? And then just at that moment, God changes things for me. And then he changed it for all these other guys. He changed it for everybody else. And I continue to see that. And I think that, that everybody really needs to understand that this is a this is a live game that we're in the middle of, right? Not only I want to say a game, but I'm saying that if you've ever played football or you've ever played basketball, you leave it all on the court or all on the field, like you it's gonna be your last game, you're never gonna be able to play again. So you get out there and you put it all in. Yes. And that's where we are right now, man. If you if you look at for new age. There's only like two or three people in this company that are under the age of 50. Everybody here is in our, seriously, everybody's in this last hurrah, right? We're going to do this thing one more time and we're, we're all in. And so it's not just me, man. I'm, I'm surrounded by 
I don't want to just I don't want to offend anybody else that might have been in my past, but I'm saying that this is definitely uh, the most intelligent, articulate, compassionate, spirit-led group that I've ever been involved with. And mm. man, every day I know when I get smiled and choked up, so does he. You understand mm. when I see the things that are happening with Alicia and her husband, or what's happening with Rachel and John Caldwell, and all the different people that we're involved with. Man, it's the power. He said that you'll receive power when you receive the promise of the Father and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I'm telling you from practical experience, if people want to get in there and they want to experience, they, that's what I want. I wish I could just take it out of my chest, pull it out and give it to you for like five minutes so you could feel what I feel. Yeah, I wish I could do that for my wife, for my kids. And then I got to thinking about it and I was like, I can. What I have to do is I got to walk it out. People got to know about it. So I've got to be vocal. I got to let things go sometimes, man. I've had some things that I've had to deal with this last six months that are not in my character or the way that I dealt with it wasn't in my character. Surprised the crap out of my family, you know, quite frankly, and and some other people, right? And right now, everybody, ha can you imagine that if everybody that's listening to this and everybody that, that we know just showed up one day and they were like doing the heavenly hugs and the heavenly high fives, and we got business to do and we're doing all this stuff and we're doing it for the kingdom. If they want to know what that looks like, the next time we have one of these spiritual retreats out here, we'll give you the address and those guys can show up because mm. there were 20 CEOs out here. Imagine putting 20 Rileys and Christians in a room, right? Mm. The, and, and I will say that Riley is a little bit more pumped up. Well, if I'll say this, between him and Christian, they look a whole lot better doing it than I do. <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> but we're having a good time. and And that's what people need to understand is, Forget about what happened last time, man. Forget about the if you lost a business or whatever. Don't for, don't even worry about that. Focus on on what God is saying. Study. What do you want me to do? And He'll show you. I, I promise you, He and He won't lie to you, man. He'll never lie to you. Yes, yes. Ah, so good. Well, that's a perfect transition as as we kind of bring things somewhat to a close here. You had said that one of the things that you're excited about is young people or, or people starting off in business it might not be young people. They might be in their fifties starting off with a new business venture, but that there are going to be business people, godly men and women that have gone before them that have business acumen that are going to be able to speak into their life, encourage them, add resources to them that may or may not necessarily be financial, but may be wisdom or pointing them in the right direction with things. Can you speak a little bit to the importance of a group like King's Council or your Kingdom Collaborative? Like, what's the importance of of Christians actually coming together to do these things together, as opposed to a lot of good people doing things on their own? The thing that that comes to mind is there's a big difference between Christians and Christ followers. I don't know. I don't know if he says it. It's like in the Shack or one of those books that I was reading. It's like Jesus is talking, and he was talking about Christians, and he was like, "Yeah." I'm not sure about half those people <laughs> so to be careful about Christians and Christ followers, because there's a difference. A lot of people get focused on doctrine, right? What saved, always saved, not so whatever they get focused on. They, they drive that into the ground. And the reality is you don't want to know. You don't want to know whether you can lose your salvation because the only way you're going to know is if you lose your salvation. So who wants to do that? Right. The reason I say that is, there are Christians and there's Christ followers. And in this kingdom collaborative and in this kingdom economy, there's going to be guys that are all in. And there's going to be guys that have they, they've tried to do it, but they want to separate their faith from their business. Right. Mm -hmm. They say, I understand that's what it says in the Bible, but you have to use common sense 
when it comes to business because this could be a bad business decision. I've got a, a good friend. Dude is uh, of the mindset of crawl, walk, and run. I'm just not built like that. I don't know how to crawl, walk, and run. When God says go, we go. And you just have to step out on faith. And this is the key. You're not big enough to screw up what God has appointed for you. If you make a decision and you and it's based on faith and you step out there, he will fix it. Don't be stupid. Use as much wise counsel as you can, but don't worry about it. Just do it. You know, and you and you go out there and you're going to make some bad calls. Sometimes you're going to embrace somebody that he does not want in there and just move them out of the way. But don't panic. He's going to take care of it. It's okay. Just stay focused. That's what, you know, it's like you're talking about earlier. So in the kingdom economy, when you see the, the importance of like the king's council, I've been doing this thing for a minute and I didn't understand that in a Muslim community about the money changing hands 15 times or whatever it is in a Jewish community, seven to eight times or whatever, before it goes into the secular community. And in this economy where we are, where we're you're not trying to exclude anybody, not one faith or another, you're simply trading with people that if they are all in, are going to do mm. things sometimes, and, and even if it hurts, integrity is doing the right thing even when it hurts and when nobody's watching. That's the guy you want to do business with. And I think that the, the Christian community has done everybody a disservice because there are so many people that are riding the fence. They got one foot in and one foot out that... Yes. You know, I was telling somebody yesterday, they were talking about what happened. What do you do when you walk up to somebody and they say, hey, my name is Mike and I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm a businessman, but I'm a Christian. What do you do? You hide your checkbook. You hide your checkbook. If a guy comes up to me, if he doesn't say anything, he just goes to work and he's doing his thing and, he, and I want to help him out. I'm going to help him out. But when a guy comes up and tells me he's a Christian, the first thing I'm going to do is hide my checkbook. I'm just telling you because... A lot of people are trying. What's that guy's name? He was like, he just wanted to have the Holy Spirit. And he was like, look, I'll pay you. Right. And yes. remember how that turned out. Right. And and there's this yeah. thing about protecting your anointing. So even yes. if you're a babe in Christ and you're just now kind of getting out there and you're going to start something, you got to protect your anointing, man. The reality is not everybody's good folks, even in the church. And so the importance of a king's counsel, when you're walking around with Jesus as king on your shirt, there's a couple of things that happen. People immediately hold you in high regard, right? Because you're not fake about anything. You're saying who you are and whose you are, period. And, mm. you know, since, and I'm going to, right, since I got my swag. That King's Council looks good on you. Man, I'm going to tell you, I wear this joke everywhere I go. I do. I believe we have a white one on its way to you shortly. So we'll have That's to get you one about. of those as well. You know, I'm out there with the uh, at the gas pump. There's a guy stared me down one day. I didn't have my Jesus is King shirt on. So all he sees is a guy at a pickup, you know, and he's kind of giving me the stink eye or whatever, you know, and I'm thinking I'm bigger than you. Why are you looking at me this way? Now the <laughs> old mic is coming out. Right. And then I thought about it a second and I just real loud. I, I kind of, <laughs> I said, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're crazy. And, uh, and he kind of jumped back and he said, amen, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you looking at? You want me to slap you one of those things from the old days or, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're crazy. And he was like, oh, my goodness, you know, yeah, amen. <laughs> um, now I have my King's Council shirt. I'm walking around Jesus is King, and I don't have to yell at people anymore. So I just I just, there you go. <laughs> throw it out there, right? Throw my chest out there. What do you have on your shirt? I saw that. You're both Jesus repping the King. Jesus is King swag. Yeah, see, I love uh, it. Yeah, that's, that's going everywhere, brother. We're not uh, 
I've got my Jeep out there and I've got to go get a white decal. I need this logo, by the way. If you'll give me that logo, I'll put that joker on that Jeep out there and I'll put Jesus King right across the back tailgate on it. Done. We'll do it this afternoon. We have to be bold in our faith and yes. and quit. When you see somebody that says that they're, they need prayer, quit giving them a thumbs up on Facebook and, and then stepping yeah. off and say, Lord, help that person. Yeah. And that's it. And look, if I ask you for prayer, I'm infringing on you and I'm asking you to go into the throne room and beg on my behalf, right? Mm. That's what I'm doing. And so we have to be bold enough that when somebody says, hey, man, I've got some things that are going on. Can you guys pray for me? And we say, absolutely. Give them a thumbs up. And I'm saying, no, Mm. pick up the phone or get them on however you need to get in front of that person and pray with them. Quit praying for people and start praying with people. When you're sitting in a restaurant or if you're walking in a store or something or somebody out there is having a hard time or whatever and, and God puts on your heart to go over there and pray with them, go over there and pray with them. Mm. Can I pray with you? Uh, my name is Mike, right? What what can I can I help you, right? Mm. What is that the yeah. joke about two poor preachers or two broke preachers? He said, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have, right? Pick up your mat. That's the, that's the mentality is we have to, you have to pray for divine appointments every single day. I don't want one. I want as many as you can throw at me because I figured it out that when I go out there, if I'm talking to a guy at the gas pump or I'm talking to a guy at the post office or whatever, and we're doing these things, it seems like I've just wasted two or three hours of my day, right? But then I come home and I figure, it's like John Caldwell is doing something over there and Alicia's doing something over here. All these guys are doing stuff. And then I find myself with some free time. I didn't even have to do anything. I thought I'm that important that I have all this stuff to do in business. But the reality is I was doing kingdom work and then he put people in place to take care of those things so I didn't have to worry about it. And then he gave me some time off too, right? And and I know that people that are in business right now, it's like, I got to work 12 or 16 hours a day. You may, and he'll give you the stamina to do it. But if you're not doing it with praise and worship music on, and if you're not studying your scriptures while you're doing all that stuff, man, you're wasting your time. Yeah, I think it was Martin Luther that said, my days are so busy, I had to spend two to three hours in prayer each morning. Yeah, that idea that God can actually multiply your time. You know, somebody that would look at those loaves and fish and say, well, that's not possible. Well, yeah, we're not called to the possible. Like we're called to the miraculous. We're called to be a supernatural people. And man, there's just so many testimonies. I'm sure we could share for the next couple hours of times when whether we've sown money or sown time or sown whatever it is to the kingdom, and we see that come back a hundredfold. It's the God that we serve. Let me explain something. So God gives you an acre of land when you're born and you don't plant any good seed. The enemy's throwing tares out there, right? He's throwing the the weeds out there. and Weeds grow laterally and down, laterally and down. And so you only have three kinds of seed in my estimation. You got your words, your money, and your kids. Like you can only do so much with your kids, right? You can only do so much with your money. You give the money to the church and the church guy is sitting on the benevolence fund like it's his inheritance and he's not going to give anybody anything. And if they do give him something, it's like, don't come back tomorrow. Don't come back next month. We'll get a job. We can't do this again. (laughs) That's how it goes, right? But your words, Mm. you're dropping good seed. And when you drop a good seed, first the blade, then the stock, then the head, the head may have 50, 60 kernels that fall off of that wheat, right? And And as it falls, it multiplies. And it multiplies. And what happens with that is it grows and it's growing down. And so yes. what I found is over a period of time is I didn't have any money, couldn't do anything with my kids, but I did have good words. And so what I found was over years, I tried to quit drinking, tried to quit smoking, did quit a thousand times. 
quit drinking a thousand times. But what would happen is I would start to take a step forward and I would trip over that weed because it's a vine that grows laterally, right? I would trip over it and I could never get ahead. I mean, I made good money, but I was always suffering with this thing. And the reality was when I started planting good seed, the word, planting good seed, good seed, pretty soon I'm just walking through this this acre and it's just, you're just walking through a wheat field, man. You're not getting tangled up in the weeds anymore. And what's crazy is the good seed chokes out the bad seed and it does it not just one at a time, it does it 50 at a time. And then those 50 multiply 50, multiply 50. And then what's happening is the 45 years that I was a cad, I'll just say it like that, that, that five years wiped out all of that. You understand? There's memory. You can see some of that stuff out there. People have a memory of those things and they should because you always want to remember those things. But that's not the, the key is that God multiplied that. His multiplication process is so fast that you don't have to worry about if you've made mistakes in your marriage, if you've made mistakes with your kids, if you've made mistakes with things, the reality is God will fix it, but you have to give it to him in order to fit for him to do anything with it. He won't take it from you. He's a gentleman, right? He's not going to take it out of your hands, but if you'll do it in faith, if you'll just trust him with them, it'll always turn out right, man. It always does. And, and he's faithful every single day. I can't even believe my wife is still with me, quite frankly. And I think mm. we're probably in better shape today than we were for 29 years, only because I started praying over her. I started loving her like Christ loved the church. I had to do those things. If I wanted my wife to be intimate with me, I had to be more intimate with God. You get closer to the light she has to because she's in your presence. And so those are the things that I would start to tell people is that you really have to, you really, really, really have to get into the, the word and you can't just play, don't play with it, man. If you're going to use your Bible as a book, as a doorstop, do that. But don't get in there halfway. Don't get in there half cocked because there's a penalty. There's a penalty for playing with him. But if you're if you're dead serious, if you'll get in there, and I think Alicia would attest where the things that have happened over the last year, that things have changed considerably because she's all in. There's no question, right? She's all in. And that's the that's the key, man, is that you just have to, you, you got to be all in. I, I can't stress that enough. That's the bottom line. If you want to be successful, you need to make, and I'm going to say this, don't get in there and just start a business because you, and then pray that God will bless it. Look at where he's working in your life, make a major shift in your life and get involved there. And then what's going to happen is eventually he's going to open up a door for you to walk through in faith and then you'll be in business. If you're just doing things because you think it's a good idea and you haven't done it in prayer, man, the enemy is always going to counterfeit. He'll show up as an angel of light and lead you down a path and you're going to stay longer than you want to stay. I'm just telling you, if you're not in your word, you can't hear from God. You can't. And if you're not around godly people, he can't use them to give you a prophetic word, right? He can't tell you the things because you're not listening sometimes. I'm not listening sometimes, but there's a lady in Illinois. There's a guy in Bernie, Texas. There's some people in California. There's people in Korea, people that reach out to me and say, man, in Chicago, I was praying in the spirit and the spirit of God said to call you and tell you this. If you don't have people telling you those things, you're not doing it right. Yeah. I'm just saying you're not around the right people and you're not and you're not really trying to hear from God. If you really start trying, he said, when you seek me with your whole heart, he said, when you finally seek me with your whole heart, you'll call and I'll be there. But if you're not all in, if you're with half your heart, it's contrary to that, right? Look, I'm super excited, Caleb. You guys are on fire. You guys, every time I get around Riley, those guys, they just get me pumped up. I get little messages from them dudes from time to time. And it's like Christmas, man. When I get a message from Riley or one of those, or, or Christian, they do the video message. 
after the first meeting, you guys were like in Mexico or something. And these brothers got together and they were standing there and they were like, hey, man, we were thinking about you. You have no idea, man. I was on cloud nine. I, I, I was looking for the guy that I hollered at at the gas pump. <laughs> I was trying to find him and, and, and kind of calm some things down a little bit and then really share with them all the things that we're doing. I'm super excited yeah. about you guys. I'm super excited about all the things that we got going on. It's just really cool stuff. And it's all about the kingdom. That's it. It is. It is. Yeah. God is doing so many miraculous things. I mean, I could even just, again, we can share testimonies, but last night, you know, I was teaching a Bible study. We had people from, not even people in King's Council, people that had heard about King's Council that that came on this Bible study. I got a message this morning, one of the young couples, they've recently left a false religion, essentially. He said, man, that, that message you know, really spoke to me last night. If I fly to Wisconsin here for this next event, will you baptize me at this next event? Because I just feel like I have to get baptized. That was That's this morning. And it's just like, Every single day, every single week, like the amount of people that are getting born again, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, coming into the fullness of, of God's power, but also getting envisioned right. for our short little time here on planet Earth. It's just exciting. Quick mention that we do have a marriage retreat coming up here in Wisconsin. That's going to be in May. I don't know what you have going on May 20th and 21st, but yeah, that's going to be an amazing couple days uh, marriage retreat. If you're uh, uh, available, we'd love to have you join us for that. I'm going to pull the farmer's almanac out and see what the weather's going to be like in May in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look. I looked at somebody in Wisconsin the other day, and I forget what it was a couple of weeks ago. Do you guys have much snow? Uh, it's actually melted quite a bit this last couple of days, but we have had a lot of snow. Yeah. So we'll probably be in the sixties by May. I'm good with that then. Yeah. Give me an invitation, man. We'll, uh, we'll be there. That would be fun. We could bring Alicia and her husband, Curtis. Yeah, we're going to have, you know, specific teachings and whatnot. One of the things I'm really excited about, obviously, we'll have fellowship and, and we'll learn about marriages. We have a whole section set aside just for basically praying over each couple, specifically praying and prophesying over each couple, which I know not everybody listening is going to be familiar with what that means. But I believe that there's going to be some directional things that come that is is just going to be life-changing for a lot of couples. Uh, we're bringing in some people that that hear God really clearly and, and ah, it's just going to be a fun time together for sure. I was raised Southern Baptist. I consider myself Baptocostal. Yeah. <laughs> if I preach, I'll, I'll ask you to pull your Bible out to, and look up Acts 29. And they get there and they're like, yeah, there's, there's only 28 books. And I'm like, because we are Acts 29. And we need to figure out if you're going to be part of history. And, and they're like, oh, I'm not going to be part of history. And I'm like, okay, so you want God to be part of your story. Or you want to be part of his story. And if you're going to be part of his story, then these are the things that you have to pay attention to. And right now, we're following his script, man. We're following this thing. I know you guys are. And look, there was 20 CEOs from all these companies. These are spirit-filled guys that come in there and they want more. And they're trying to figure out more. And some of the things that freak me out is I hold these guys in such high regard and they're looking to me for answers. And I'm like, I'm not the answer. You're the answer. <laughs> right. And what's right. really cool about that, I, all these guys come in there and there's one spot in the Bible where Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, one of you is going to, is going to betray me tonight. And the Bible says that they all wondered, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Mm. And what's, what's really cool about this group of people that is coming together is everybody knows they're not perfect. They know 
that like literally if Jesus was standing there, they would think, man, if it is or something that I'm doing, am I missing something? We're always looking to find out how we can do it better. And, and is it me? Nobody comes in there and tells you that they've got it all figured out. Um, I certainly don't have it all figured out. I struggle. Um, I still have a hot temper, right? Believe it or not. I mean, I got good jokes, but I have a hot temper sometimes. Not nearly like I used to be, right? From, from way back when, uh, if somebody asked me how I was doing not long ago, I told them I haven't stabbed anybody in like 12 years. I'm doing really good. I struggle with my military mouth because sometimes I don't think people will listen unless I, you know, give it to them raw and uncut. And so I'm, I'm figuring out that I don't have to do that. And then, you know, I still have a pride issue. You know, I deal with people because they want to bring up my past. Really? I feel like I'm past that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) People want to bring these things up from like 15 or 20 years ago. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. I don't know how long ago, say two years ago, somebody said, you haven't changed. And I said, Mm. really? And I don't even remember what the discussion was about. Yeah, you haven't changed. And so I'm in the shower and and I'm praying and I'm like, have I really not changed? I mean, if I haven't, let me know. Let me know what I got to do that I've not changed, where I haven't changed it, because that's that was pretty strong for me. He said, "Ask Jared." I heard, "Ask Jared," and uh, Jared is a kid that killed my brother that I've been discipling for five years, right? So when somebody says I haven't changed, and I'm asking God, He said, "Don't ask me, ask Jared," right? Mm. Because that guy received forgiveness. Mm. I I certainly didn't think that it was possible for me. You know, I I would have never thought that in a million years. I've had plenty of pastors tell me since then, I couldn't do it. I'm like, you don't have a choice. It wasn't a question. There's no ambiguity when he says you have to forgive those and you have to Mm -hmm. love those. He didn't, there wasn't a question mark in any of that stuff. So yeah, man, like as far as the business goes and all this stuff that's going on with these guys, this is a super time. And if, if somebody has started, if they're struggling, if they're looking for money, they're doing all those things, quit going to people. Pray about it, pray about it, and listen. A lot of time what happens is they go in there and they pray, and they say, uh, amen. And then they run out the door, and God goes, where'd he go? I was fixing to tell him. I was going to tell him everything. I was going to give him the keys to the kingdom. I was fixing to open up the windows of heaven. I guess I'll wait until tomorrow. And then they come in and they pray again, and then they run out. You know, And he's like, man, this guy is busy. He hasn't had time. To, he keeps asking the same question, but he won't let me give him the answer. And I only know that because I did it. And I'm just saying at some point, you got to stop, man. If you're going to pray, it should be an equal time listening. If we're going to have a discussion, there should be a question and answer. Yeah. And it's the same thing if you go look in your book, man. If you're reading it, don't just read the scripture that somebody told you to. Read what came before it, what came after it, so you understand it in context and then pray and then say, what are you trying to show me through this thing, right? That takes up a lot of your time. And I guess the last thing we can discuss there's a thing that we're referring to as the 10 minute Holy Spirit filter. And so when somebody tells me something like this morning, I got this guy that gave, he called me, he told me something. And I was like, well, by God, you let me get off this phone and I'm going to let him have Sergeant Wilson for a few minutes and we'll get that straight. And then in my spirit, I was like, that's not the Holy Spirit filter. So I had to stop for a second, kind of think about it. And within 30 seconds, I got a call from another guy that said, yeah, man, there was this issue, and you're probably going to hear about it, but this is what the solution was. God had already worked out the solution, so he gave me this thing out there to see if I was going to bite it, hook, line, and sinker. He threw me a curveball, and I knocked it smooth out of the park, man. He threw me a curveball, and I hit mm. it. And I'm sorry I swung at it. The The reality is he was already working out the solution. 
right? All I had to do was just be cool and, and let it happen. And he, and it did. I mean, it just happened. So yeah. Holy spirit filter, man, 30 seconds, whatever. If you can do it for, if you can do it, forgive it, give him 10 minutes and he can work anything out. Yes. Yes. It's so refreshing hearing you say these things because I think so often people are used to, well, first off, a lot of people don't think God speaks at all, but then oh. if he does speak, it's only in a church context, you know? So God can speak to me in church, but when I get to my business, that's really up to me rolling up my sleeves and getting it done. Whereas we look throughout scripture and we see some of the most successful business people like Daniel, who God gave him business strategy to, hey, let's save a portion of this food. And then when all the nations were depleted of their resources, they streamed to the wise businessman of God to say, okay, we are actually now dependent on you to keep us alive. And I believe that's something that I see happening in the marketplace right now, that that God is giving biblical wisdom and insight to Christian business people in such a way that when things start to get shaken throughout the world, people, the nations are going to stream to the church. Like you said, that verse in Ephesians, it's now through the church, the people of God, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed. And that's really my heart is that once people have exhausted all their other resources and they say, wow, it's actually the people in the church they actually have the corner on the marketplace in terms of wisdom. I'm going to go to them and say, how are you walking in wisdom? So Mike, we're going to bring this uh, podcast to a close here, but I'll give you the last word. If you have one more thing that you wanted to add or, or one more thing that you wanted to say or one more story to share, and then we'll go ahead and close after that. I'm going to say this. There's, you said 25 years old, right? And there's a lot of people that are starting families at that age. I was sharing something with my, my sister-in-law lost my brother. One of my other brothers passed away this year and um, mm. she has a new grandson. And so we were talking last night and I said, I really want this for the, the guys to understand and the, and the women, these babies. He said that he knew us before he formed us in our mother's wombs. When those babies come out, they don't have the vernacular that you and I have. And when the baby is, you guys you have a baby? Do you have any kids? Yeah, I have three kids. Okay. Yeah. So when they're cooing and they're trying to talk to you and they just go on and on and on, I was telling her, I said, is that baby cooing to you? And she said, yeah, he just talks up a storm. And I said, he's trying to explain to you all the wonderful things that he heard about you on the other side, what God had revealed to him before he mm -hmm. came. And so he's trying to tell you that on that side, your husband was giving him those high fives and heavenly hugs, right? To come here and tell you, that everything that you've been taught in the Bible is true and that it is absolutely wonderful. So when that baby's there, if you're don't get in despair when you have a job or you're in business and things are not going right and you come home and the baby is there, man, go get that baby and let him tell you all the wonderful things that God had to say about you. Mm. I'll leave you with that. I love one. it. So good, Mike. Well, obviously, we're just kind of at the beginning of our friendship, but man, you just have so much wisdom. And it's funny how when you're both walking with the Spirit, God can start to connect and align hearts in a really quick way. So oh, yeah. uh, selfishly, personally, I, I just loved having this conversation with you, but I know it's, it's going to be a blessing to our listeners as well. So really appreciate you taking the time to uh, be on the podcast today. Man, whatever I can do for you guys, you let me know. Nothing but much love and respect for all you dudes. So whatever I can do, man, we're here. Alicia, too. She's the 
she's actually running all this stuff anyway. So <laughs> great to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the chosen podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Chosen Podcast, powered by The King's Council. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also watch this podcast and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.